I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. And this is the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. And today we decided to start a new segment. We're going to do this monthly for you guys so you're aware of the kind of games that we're playing on a monthly basis. Because what do we like to do here? We like to talk about video games. And we don't just want to come up with random subjects to talk about each episode. Because we also like to talk about the games that we're, we're playing at the, you know, at the moment that we would normally talk about if we're hanging out with our friends. And we want to do that with you guys too. This is going to be kind of a, just a laid back conversation explaining the games that we're playing. That way both of us are aware of them and so are you. Yeah, this is just going to be going over what we're putting our time into right now. This is where our free time in 2018, you know, at the end of September here is what we're playing right here, right now. And they are so good. <laughs> I actually don't think I actually don't think any of the games that I've been playing recently have been too bad whatsoever. Uh, a lot of them have been uh, indie games for sure, uh, mostly because those are nice to just sit down and play pretty quickly, but also just nice to play along with games that take up a little bit more time. So I'm going to go ahead and get it started with. The main game that I've been playing this month, probably the whole time, now that Battle for Azeroth expansion for WoW came out, I've been playing that since release. Uh, not too hardcore. I've been playing it just enough to play through all the different zones, get one of my characters up to max level, and kind of just enjoy the environments and a little bit of the story, and obviously the grind that comes with that on a daily basis. Buck, I know you play WoW, but have you been spending much time with the expansion? Um, you know, I wish my PC didn't totally suck, or I would probably be playing the expansion right now, but uh, I left off in Legion, so I would like to get into it, and hopefully uh, maybe around Black Friday or something, or kind of a, a Christmas gift, uh, this year I'll get a, a new uh, PC or laptop that can handle it, so you know if my uh, computer can't really handle WoW, then it's uh, not too great these days, but no, I mean, WoW is definitely the the top of the... MMO, the cream of the crop there, right along with uh, Final Fantasy XIV. So, yeah, it's always a good time. I know when I was doing it, I was usually uh, either tanking or healing because the, the dungeon queue times are usually way better. Yeah, not a whole lot of patience there. I understand why you decided to do that. Did you enjoy Legion, though? Or did you even get to spend that much time with it, or did your computer kind of crap out before you did? No, Legion was, I mean, Legion was a lot of fun, and it was, uh, I couldn't raid Vel on Legion, which uh, which kind of sucked. But I don't know, do you do much raiding? I don't do any raiding. I've actually never done any. The only raiding that I do is I do low-level raiding for transmogs. Oh, yeah, transmog is uh, it's probably my favorite reason to play to make my character look as awesome slash ridiculous or stupid as possible. Right, so yeah. I don't blame uh, you there. Yeah, me, me and uh, one of my other buddies, we, we used to go to the the older raids, just run through them, destroy the bosses, and see what we'd get. So, that, I mean, that was always fun. That was something to do once you hit max level and you didn't want to do the daily grind for the rest of the day. So you didn't do any of the, the raids back in Legion or any like the, uh, the up-to-date raids, I'd call it? You just ran through some of the old ones and, like, soloed the crap out of it? Yeah, that's all I did. I, I didn't have any interest in trying to do like LFR raids where they basically just set you up with with random people and try to deal with that madness. Well, I, the problem with that is like either you run to people that are just complete D-bags or people that are literally just running through it as fast as humanly possible. And I'm fine with as fast as possible normally as long cool. as not everybody's wiping. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Depending on if I'm the tank and depending on how many mobs I pull, they get, you know, they'll rage at me for not pulling enough mobs and then I'll pull half the dungeon there and then we get wiped out. So yeah, That was not your fault. That was the healer and they weren't DPSing enough. <laughs> yes. Exactly. It's not your fault. You did exactly what they wanted. But, <laughs> I mean, the, the big reason that I don't do raids is, first off, it's a huge time sink, huge time commitment, and I'm not going to be there probably playing on a weekly basis. Like, I'm literally letting my subscription run out tomorrow, and I'm going to take a break. I'm kind of yeah. I'm kind of done for the moment. Like, I've got one character at max level. He's only item level 313, which is not impressive. I think the what max item play? levels... I mean, what's your... Your main class, um, I guess. My, my main class is Demon Hunter. I picked him up in Legion. He was actually the last class I picked up, because when I started, Legion was the first time I ever took WoW seriously. So I started from a level 1 character, took my warrior all the way up to level 110, and, then, and then I did have a bunch of character boosts. So I also have... So right now my warrior is at 113, I have a hunter at 113, I have a warlock at 112, and a death knight at 117. So I've got a lot of characters up there, but my demon hunter is my favorite class. The first one, uh, I got to 120. I mean, the, the best part about the demon hunter is they start at level 98. Yeah. Uh, but they also just have, like, unrivaled mobility, and I, I also had the ability to create my character and make him look just like Alucard from Symphony of the Night. <laughs> So yeah, I was totally that, down for that. That long hair rolling. Yeah. So made a blood elf, made him look sick, and it was it was great. But he's got the ability to like double jump, glide, dash. He's super fast. So that makes the game more enjoyable. Because one of the things I hate about WoW and a lot of MMOs in general is the typical just trying to navigate the world. And sometimes when there's huge mountains or just difficult terrain, and you just, you have to figure out how to walk around it, it's really frustrating. Or you have, like, a, a super crappy jump where you jump, like, two inches off the ground and you think you should be able to get there because it's three inches off the ground, but you actually can't. You have to go all the way around instead. You mean every other class in WoW? Yes. So that's why I play Demon Hunter. That's like any MMO, basically. Yeah, yeah, no. I agree. And I still haven't unlocked flying, so I'm not taking it that seriously. So basically what I did is I hit 120, I did a few dungeons, did some world quests, and... Just shoot for gear. I do I do pretty much all of my emissary quests, if you know what those are. They were, those were in Legion. I don't know if you got to max level or not. I think you did. I did. I mean, world quests weren't in Legion, though, were they? Those are new. No, they were. No, they were. Okay. They, they were in it when you beat the game and you had to unlock them. So, yeah, their emissary quest is just like a group of world quests that you have to do. You do like three or four of them, and then you get certain reward. But basically, that's what I do, so I don't have to sit there and just feel like I need to play the game for hours. I'll sit I'll sit down and play it for an hour. I'm just like, that's all I needed. I've just read that it kind of, I don't know, almost like took it a step back since the artifact weapons aren't there anymore. Yeah, the artifact your... weapons were super fun. Like, I really, I, thought. I really enjoyed those. I liked the character progression that you got out of those. Uh, so apparently, uh, the developers of the game were just like, we're going to take some of those abilities from your artifact, bake them into your kit in some way, like make some of those skills passives and add them to talents and things like that. Yeah, because sure. what I was reading, it looked like um, basically, I guess, abilities you would have had access to with your artifact weapons and power. Now you basically have to choose between some of them. Yeah, so they I were... Mean, yeah. I mean, like I made a paladin and I went between uh, protection and, and holy... And I guess a lot of the 
I guess Holy got kind of nerfed a little bit, but it seems to be doing pretty well from just a few wild people I keep up, keep up with on YouTube as far as in rating and everything. But I guess people were mad at the start because of a lot of the, uh, I guess, abilities there were. You had to kind of pick and choose versus having everything. Yeah, they kind of just baked them all into talents. And the biggest problem is they haven't expanded the talents list for like, I don't know. I, I'm not that old school of a player, so I don't know. But it seems like three expansions now. So they haven't added any extra tiers. So they basically just replaced old talents with some of the, the baked-in abilities from your artifact weapon. So yeah, you still have to choose them. Technically, they're still there, but you don't get them passively through your artifact weapon, which is a huge bummer. It's like all that work you did to it's gain that power is <laughs> just taken away. So, I mean, that is frustrating. And the Azerite gear is lame. It's very frustrating. Oh, is that, it, that's kind of the replacement, right? Yeah, but it's it's Ish. dumb. So, you know, I, I mean, it is the replacement. You You get three different pieces of gear, your helmet, shoulders, and chest piece, and they come with, like, uh, three to four tiers of skills, but they're basically all passives, and they just give you a little bit of extra damage. They don't, most of them don't actually change the way that you play, and that's not that fun. It's not that interesting. So they're basically just, I don't know, just extra stat sticks, really. Which I understand is the main point of just the grind, getting your item levels up, and then dealing with these traits, but the problem is, traits are not interesting enough to really care even though some of them are considerably better than others. And I think Blizzard has figured out that that system was stupid, and they never should have implemented it. Well, I think, too, is I think the patch will get, or the expansion itself or whatever will get better is they get patches. They're only on, what, like, probably, like, point one now? I don't think 8.1 8. is out yet, but okay. I, I don't know. Um, I don't follow it that closely, unfortunately. I follow... 14 a little bit closer just because I can't play WoW right now, so... There you go. Well, here's the thing. BFA was actually a great expansion as far as gameplay goes. If you liked Legion, you're gonna like BFA. The only thing that I think is worse is losing the artifact and going to the Azerite armor. That's a definite drawback. But as far as the game still being fun to play, the quests being interesting, the worlds being fun to explore, I mean, you gotta go Horde this expansion because of the dinosaurs. Like <laughs> they cool do look awesome. Yeah, no, that's great. The Zandalari Empire, the trolls or whatever. I like, yeah, the, cool. uh, the Zandalari trolls too, I guess, for the class that you can you unlock after a while. I think that class looks like roided trolls look really cool in my opinion. Yeah, well, they're not out. I don't think they're out yet. I think they come out in the next patch. And uh, the problem is that they're a huge pain in the butt to unlock. Cause you gotta and they do... start at level 20 too, so you got to like level them up and... Yeah, you do have to do that so you can unlock uh, special armor sets for each one of those allied races, which is fine. But they do get cool new, if you play Druid, which neither one of us do, they get cool, like, dinosaur forms instead of turning into cats and bears. Well, that's way cooler. I agree. And that weird, like, chicken thing. <laughs> yeah, that moonkin thing. They turn into, like, a pterodactyl <laughs> on two feet. It's really oh, that's strange. Cool. I mean, yeah, it's it's way cooler. That that would make me want to play druids, but I'm not going to do the rep grind required to unlock the allied races. It may happen over time, but and I over time they'll probably make it just available to us. I would guess. <laughs> well, I was hoping I was hoping they were going to do that with the ones that unlocked during Legion. They unlocked like six of them, and I was hoping that once BFA hit, they were going to let those go. But it's such a grind. I feel like that's just like a flick to the testicles to people who actually spent that much time. 
Yeah, well, I guess the people that spend that much time, too, they're probably going to spend more time to do it. But, like, someone like us that just plays or played super casually, I mean, like, I basically had my paladin that I leveled up, and then I got a, a death knight on the the item boost or the whatever, the level boost, mm-hmm. which I'd say is probably more fun to play than paladin. But uh, The death knight's awesome. And the... The Death Knight, which one is that, where I could basically solo everything, the tank, and get, like, the life regen? Is that, like, uh, Unholy? Blood. Blood one, yeah, that's the yeah. one. Yeah, he's yeah. great. Actually, all three specs are pretty cool. Uh, even Frost, everybody I know they don't like, they didn't like it previously, it was super basic. They made some cool adjustments, too. It's actually pretty fun, this expansion. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I enjoy all of my classes that, I, that I've that i been playing. I mean, I, I was playing Warlock. They had some, They had some very interesting changes to their their demonology spec in and Legion, which made them like a pure summoner class. But BFA, they finally got it right. It's way less clunky and way more fun to play. But That's what I would have guessed if you were playing one class, because I would have guessed, like, I usually roll something around a paladin, you usually are like a summoner, warlock, something along those reins. That's what I would have, I would have guessed you were playing. All right. Well, I, I do dabble in them. I mean, I play Unholy, which is kind of a summoner for the Death Knight. Uh, and I definitely like my Warlock and my Hunter. I think one of the biggest issues with my Warlock and my Hunter, though, is they're two of the classes that I boosted. I've I've leveled them up to a certain extent. I've got them up to, like, level uh, 30 or 40. But I've, at this point, I've leveled a Warrior all the way. I've leveled a Death Knight from 55 to where it's at now. I was kind of done with leveling at that point. <laughs> so, and I mean, I've done all of that within, like, the last six months. So yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> Too much. And the Demon Hunter is just my favorite class to go back and play. Aesthetically, mobility, just enjoying the game overall. I think that's just the main character I'm just going to stick with and ride it out because I'm not going to take the game too seriously. It's for fun. I'm not there to raid. Well, I mean, looking for raids not that serious. Oh, I mean, it's still... I just like to do it because it's just cool to see, like, you know, just 25 people. I know I never get to be in it when they're the 40-man raids. Apparently that would have been, I'm sure, pretty epic. But just, like, 25 people on the screen at once going after, you know, one enemy. It's just a, a cool concept to me. Is that Were you, like, doing that with, like, two frames a second or something? Absolutely. <laughs> that does sound cool. That Especially, sound... you can imagine, trying to heal... It was great. People oh, were reaching out left and right. <laughs> what a pain in the ass. Well, you weren't the only healer, so you can just blame it on everybody else. Yeah, just if I want to join the crowd, I'll just blame someone else. What is there, like, what is there, three or four healers at that point? Or is there more than that, five? There is uh, five healers. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Since you usually have a five-man party. Five healers, five tanks, and then 15 DPS, right? Well, your math will check out if there's only 25 <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I'll just kind of kind of switch gears right there, and I put in more time in uh, one of the games I'm playing right now is Final Fantasy XIV. You've been playing? Can... You played that this month? I'm still playing that. Yeah, it's Gosh. like a been a constant thing for at least the past few months. I'm finally up to like level 63. <laughs> oh, nice! You got past all of that garbage content that you had to get through to go, Those, get to the uh, expansion. Hundred quest in between uh, the A Realm Reborn and Heaven's Word. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for people that don't know, there's literally a hundred pointless quests that give you about two to three thousand experience when you need probably close to a million at that point to get a level up, and they're just completely pointless filler quests in between expansions. 
And yeah, so you gosh. just made it to Heaven's Ward at this point? No, no, I made it too. I'm on uh, Stormblood now. 60 to oh. 70 Stormblood. Oh, thank God. I, I, I was hoping you hadn't made that much level progress and you still hadn't made it through Heaven's Ward yet. No, Heaven's Ward's actually really good. <laughs> no, it is. It absolutely is. But those quests in between, all that crap, suck. There's like another, at least there's only like 60 quests in between Heaven's Ward and Stormblood. But it was still super annoying. Yeah. Yeah, 14 is good. I, I actually I preferred 14 before I uh, played Legion, but after I played Legion, 14 just felt a little too slow and. Oh, it, it's way more deliberate and slow paced. Yeah. As far as I would say, there's more. WoW to me feels like it's more about getting your rotation down and just having a complete set rotation for the most DPS or uh, healing or whatever. At one time, there's always something to do for sure, but 14, it's a little bit more of, I don't want to say maybe like a thinking man's game, because they both kind of are, but, I mean, there's more about dodging and kind of getting out of the way of stuff more so than, than WoW, I believe. I mean, when I was playing WoW, I just felt like you just had rotation down constantly, and like, if you're tanking, the rotation was, I mean, it's not very complicated in either one, honestly, because I also tank in, in 14, but... Especially in WoW, I, know, I think they changed it, actually. there's It's harder to hold aggro in the new expansion. But they, they did, which has been frustrating for some. But to your point, that's how I actually felt about 14. I felt like there was, you know, you have, a, you have your single target and you have your, your AoE rotations. But mm -hmm. the thing that I, I wasn't sure if I ever really liked about 14 is that you just have... I felt I felt like you always had more skills, but you had a longer rotation. It seemed to be overly complicated for what it amounted to, I guess. I don't know. It probably depends upon your class, too. I'd say it probably does. I mean, because I feel like before, I mean, I haven't played the newest expansion. I haven't played BFA, but, I mean, tanking in WoW was fairly brain-dead in Legion, which I was okay with because people didn't rage at me too much. And I will say one thing, the community in 14 is worlds better than the community in WoW. They're actually uh, welcoming the people that are trying to learn the game and just, uh, they're not just total, you know, flaming D-bags yeah, uh, no, at yeah. you. Yeah, WoW is, is pretty brutal there. Uh, I'll give you that. Usually, if, if you go into any five-man instance, there'll be at least one person who's just like, we need to get through this as fast as possible. This is dumb. I don't want to be it's here. It's just raging straight up. Yeah. Not being productive. Not trying to help people expedite the process. They're just bitching. Yeah. And no, really people in, uh, in 14 will actually, I mean, most people offer advice. I've had very few people that were just straight up raging. And, I mean, that can go not necessarily a long way, but because I don't really care too much either way if some random dude on the Internet's raging. But, I mean, it's a lot. There's a lot less just... Uh, disconnects and people just straight up leaving dungeons and instances I've run to in 14 versus WoW, which is no, definitely I, nice. I, I agree. That definitely does happen. It, it is frustrating. I mean, 14 is still a good game. I highly suggest anybody go try it out, especially if they don't like WoW. It is definitely a different kind of experience. I think a lot of people are turned off by WoW at this point because it... I don't want to so say fun. it looks... I don't... That and... People seem to think that, you know, it is old. Obviously, it's old, and they think it looks dated. I actually kind of appreciate its aesthetic. I actually like the uh, the style and the look of yeah. WoW over 14. Yeah, I think people 
who maybe pick up the game, they see the aesthetic of some of the opening areas, which are like 14 years old at this point. <laughs> and if they if they found that they actually like the gameplay and kind of put in the time to get to the later expansions, they'll actually see that a lot of them look pretty nice. But, but if you're, I'd say if you're new to kind of MMOs or the scene in general, uh, definitely give 14 a chance. It actually has a story that's, um, is it just a decent RPG story in general? Where I mean, that's the only MMO I can say that the story actually wasn't just, you know, terrible. <laughs> yeah, but it's not as good as the developers keep trying to tell us it is. If they're going to force you to go through all those story missions, that's ridiculous. But I don't <laughs> think you're going to argue with that sentiment. No, I mean that's that's the only thing. Like it does take a really. There's a lot more of a grind to level up in 14 versus WoW. I will say that. It takes a whole lot longer just because there's so much story and cutscenes. Unless you, like, hit circle and skip everything, it takes a lot more. It feels like more of a, a traditional JRPG grind to get to max level versus uh, versus WoW for sure. Yeah, and I think leveling up your first character in any MMO, it, like, shouldn't feel like a race. You should just enjoy the experience. The thing is, if you're trying to level a lot of alts and you're getting frustrated with how long it's taking, maybe play something else before you start leveling up another character because once it gets to the point where it feels grindy and you just want it to take longer, it's kind of missing the point. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely suggest that you uh, level one character to max or close to it before you try and level a bunch of alts, but uh, also I would say try a lot of things before you uh, decide the character you really want to go all the way with, per se. Yeah, which is easier in 14. Yeah, for sure. At least you can change on the fly in 14 where you have to completely remake a character in WoW. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of have a little bit of OCD there, and we'll we'll play a character for a little bit. So I probably have, like, 8 to 10 characters in WoW that are, like, level 30 and below that I've just kind of abandoned. Oh yeah, I've got I've got tons of those, probably 15 or so. I know well, how, how many how comes to how many how many classes or I guess I should say jobs in 14 do you have leveled up to like 10 or 12, which is about the equivalent. Um probably I mean really I think I only have one, otherwise I just been pretty much playing straight paladin. After that, at the very beginning, like when I jumped in, you had to level um, you had to have, like, one class at 30 and one class at 15 to unlock your job, which was really dumb, and they got rid of that. So now you just need the one class, like, at 30. Like, you had to have, like, a Marauder or a Gladiator at 30 and um, whatever, like, the equivalent of an early White Mage was. I forgot what it was called. But basically, like, a White Mage at 15 to be able to create a Paladin. Is it a Conjurer in that game? <sighs> I think so, yeah. Which didn't make any sense. <laughs> Well, now, too, since I um, have, am finally in Stormflood in that expansion, I have started um, messing with the Red Mage a little bit, which starts at 60, which is always nice. Yeah, and, uh, the Red Mage didn't quite appeal to me so much. Uh, so you said you were 63. I've, mm-hmm. For people that want to know my history with it, it's not that exciting. I have, a, I have a summoner, and by due process, I also have a scholar, both at level 70. And then I have my other highest classes would probably be a Dark Knight, probably at level 45 or 50. I didn't realize you oh, put that much time into oh, it. I also have a Machinist at level 57. I, I well, they started, did they start at 50? 
No, machinists start at 30. Okay, 30. Okay. I was thinking, which classes were new for Heavensward? Red Dark Mate. Knight? Nope. That was No. Fun. No, Heavensward, uh, Stormblood was the, the samurai and the red mage. Oh, I thought that's what you were asking. No. No, yeah. So machinist and, and Dark Knight were for, uh. Okay. Whatever that second expansion was. <laughs> Heavensward. <laughs> or whatever. What you think is all of them, apparently. Yeah. It's the only expansion. <laughs> and, uh, the good thing about, about 14, though, is the expansions, I mean, it definitely keeps getting better, like, a Realm Reborn, which is basically 1 to 50 in the original uh, game that came out, was good and solid, but Heavensward definitely takes it up to another level after you get past those 100 ridiculous quests. Heavensward was, um, I would say the story is even pretty good there, and like a legitimate you know, RPG and MMO mixed in there, which was really cool. And I'm enjoying Stormblood so far. Yeah, Stormblood um, was pretty much the only part of it that I actually paid attention to the story. But yeah, it was, it was pretty enjoyable. And, too, they have some kind of cool in the dungeons um, in Stormblood where they're, like, um, I don't know, like, active time events, basically. Active active time events? Yeah, I mean, or quick time events or whatever you would call them for uh, certain people. Like, if you're tanking uh, against, like, a certain boss, you might get, like, a quick time event where you have to, like, hold off their sword slash so it doesn't kill the rest of the team while the rest of the party's doing something else. Yeah, that's the only one I remember. I know what you're talking about, though. It was pretty unique. I haven't really seen that in an MMO before that. Yeah, I mean, that was, that, that's a pretty epic fight. Yeah, no, uh, and another thing that I think 14 does better, it doesn't depower your character every expansion. Your new abilities are new abilities. They don't replace the old ones. Oh, that's true. You do get to keep everything, and it rolls yeah. along. And if you, I have a couple of buddies that started playing. The Brad and Cube picked it up, and I've been playing some with them, and I can actually level sync back and not... I mean, I'm still overpowered for the area, but at least I'll be, you know, level 30 in a level 30 dungeon versus being level 63 in a level 30 dungeon. Yeah, and you still get experience for that, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not not normally a substantial amount, but it's not a... You're not going to consider it a waste of time, per se. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it is nice. It's nice to be able to, to play with friends and actually go through the content and kind of... and help them out versus just being able to one-shot everything. Like what you were talking about, that... Is it probably you and Zach going through, like, uh, old raids where you needed, like, 40 people before and you guys can just go through two people and destroy it, probably, like, Blackwing Lair or some old ones like that? Yeah, old and core, baby. <laughs> Glorious. Yeah, no, we went through we went through pretty much all of the, or, well, the majority of the raids in Vanilla, Burning Crusade, and Wrath of the Lich King. But you can go up. You can actually solo some of the... Uh, the raids on normal difficulty in Legion now, which is crazy. That's crazy to think. Yeah. That was the best thing about a Blood Death Knight, though, was because the self-sustain and everything, you could pretty much solo any old content. Oh, yeah, that class is almost impossible to kill in PvE. That's for sure. I mean, sometimes it's it's slow to kill things, but I never had that issue leveling them up. Yeah, I mean, you said the Demon Hunter, though. They move really quick, where Death Knights are kind of slow as molasses would be a drawback. <laughs> yeah, no, it is very frustrating. It, w- it was hard to do that. Like, my first class was a warrior. They're pretty mobile. And then I tried Demon Hunter, and I'm just like, this is mobile with no restrictions. I don't like need... T-Mobile. Yeah. Impressive. I got five <laughs> bars. My warrior only had three. What? <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of it's my go-to now. 
And I mean, if I if I was going to go back and play 14, I do like my summoner a lot. I loved my new ability of getting Bahamut out there. That's a super badass skill. I'd probably go back to my Death Knight, even though I don't really like tanking. I kind of wished I could choose whether he was a, a tank or a DPS, because he always just kind of felt like a DPS. Yeah, well, Paladin was cool because I or finally... Or Dark Knight. I mean, Dark Knight. Said Death Death Knight. Knight. <laughs> yeah, Paladin got cooler as, uh, during Heaven's Word because I got like a healing spell and I finally got some like AoE magic attacks too versus like otherwise it was just kind of like a standard warrior. Oh, yeah. Your level 70 ability looks sweet too. <laughs> is that the one with the wings? Yes. That thing is epic looking. I don't know how useful it is. I'm sure it is in certain it's situations. Well, I'm pretty sure you don't really get hit or take damage. No, yeah, you're invincible, and everybody yeah. else takes, like... Everybody in your wings is kind of in good shape, so... Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it definitely looks cool, so... Probably in the next few weeks, hopefully I'll be uh, at least making some progress or getting close to it. Just depends how much time I can uh, put toward it each day and week, depending on uh, all the other stuff on this list, too, so... I was going to say, I think Stormblood probably took me probably about 50 hours to get through, I want to say. Yeah, I mean, all the expansions, I mean, for being, you know, 10 levels in there, they take a really freaking... They're, like, they're full games, whereas, like, you can um, pick up a, a WoW expansion and probably, like, within 10 hours you can be max level if you know what you're doing. Oh, less than that, man. Probably five. <laughs> okay. For someone like me that doesn't know what they're doing, like, 10 hours, but, yeah, I mean, it takes... I mean, it probably does take a good, probably took a good 45, 50 hours to get through uh, Heavensward, and, and I've just rolled through those pointless quests, too, that 100 to start and, like, the, the 60 or whatever to get to Stormblood. So, yeah, I mean, the expansions are pretty freaking big. Yeah, and that's great if you have just one character you play, and that that's one of the beauty, beautiful things about, like, the job system in 14, where you really only have to have one character be able, to be able to play all the classes, and you don't have to go through all the story missions. But heaven forbid you want to create a new character on, like, a different server or you just want another character that just looks visually different, well, you got to go through all that story stuff again. There's no skipping yeah, it. you're that, tired of looking at the same guy. <laughs> yeah, you should be able to skip that stuff your second time through. No, I agree. So you got anything else to say about that? I don't think so. I was just going to say, if you're going for an MMO, I definitely... Wow. Yeah. <laughs> 14. Now, one of those two, for sure. I mean, that's, you can't really go wrong with either one, and there's a reason why you have to pay a subscription each month. They're head and shoulders above, I don't know, like Terra. I know it's one of them that's free on PS4, and they're both worlds better than that. I dabbled in that a little bit, and just, it can't compare. Yeah, I played that one a little bit, too. It's definitely a letdown. I would definitely suggest, you know, there, there's free trials of both games. Go ahead and yeah, try them out. You can play... Uh, I know it's 14 up to level 30 or 35, and how how far is WoW? 20. Okay, couldn't know if it was 20 or 25. If they upped it to 25, I don't know. I haven't played the free trial in forever, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it's up to 20. I haven't so played it since I started out back in, I think. I finally got high-speed internet when Mist was out, so it's been a while. Oh, man, you started back then. Nice job. <laughs> you're, you're, you're more uh, OG than I am. <laughs> So I got another game, sort not necessarily in that vein, but it's an action RPG, and it's more of a an indie game. I got it on Steam, and it's called Hero Siege, and I think it'd probably be up your alley. I haven't even heard of it, honestly. Fair enough. I hadn't either. It's only like seven bucks. It's pretty cool. So it's uh, it's like a pixel art top-down 
ARPG where you, you go through levels, you kill mobs, you get a ton of loot, all that good stuff. But the game nice. plays like a twin stick shooter. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so it's kind of like Robotron a little bit. Or and Smash TV. Or Smash TV, sure. I thought maybe more, more people may know what Robotron is. I don't know. They're both great games. Look up Smash TV, people. It's awesome. <laughs> and Robotron 64. That's true. I love that one. But yeah, both those games are excellent. Regardless, so it's basically just like a very light ARPG. Each class only has like seven or eight skills. It's just kind of like a low-maintenance RPG grind if you want it. No real huge uh, frills or anything, just 8-bit goodness, endless grind. It's it's actually pretty cool. I didn't. I don't feel like I've described it, make it made it sound cool. <laughs> but it's it's pretty fast paced. Lots of enemies exploding into, you know, eight bit blood and guts and things like that. I think it's got like eight or it's got like six acts and it's got like six difficulty levels. So I mean, it just depends upon how how in depth you like to get in your your action RPGs or if you're just looking for kind of like a less serious one. If you've been playing Path of Exile or Diablo three. And, I mean, it's only 7 bucks, so you don't really have that much to lose. Yeah, and I know those are, I mean, just that type of game, uh, the loot, I don't know, loot action RPG, I know is one of your favorites, period. And they're definitely a lot of fun, for sure. Yeah, they're definitely, obviously, more fun with people. You can play it, I would imagine, with up to four players online. They've got a lobby system and things like that. You can play one- to two-player local, actually. Is which Steam is Steam only? That's a good question. I, ha- I haven't looked into it that much. I I think it's Steam only though. Dang. It would be. Yeah, they need to bring that one to the console because it'd work perfectly because it's you've only got four abilities at any one time. You sure it's not hiding on the Switch somewhere? I'm pretty sure there's so much shovelware in the Switch. Oh, it, like it's, it's got to be in well, there somewhere. Well, there's a lot of shovelware, but it's not. It wouldn't be one. I'm pretty sure it's on the Switch. I haven't I haven't noticed it, but it might be on PS4 or something like that. It's it's hard to even find stuff on Switch anymore because there's so many indie titles just get thrown on there all the time. And like there's 25 games a week come out. How does anybody have like, time to look through all that? It would suck to be a developer and you have your indie game, you get finally put on the Switch, and then it just gets lost in the piles and piles of you know 25 games a week that are coming out. That's yeah, crazy. I look at the shop and I just look at the games. And I'm like, if I haven't heard of it, I just assume that it's probably bad. Yeah, <laughs> I don't exactly. have time to just read the description of all these games. Most of them don't come with demos. They should. I'm not getting my EGM in the mail anymore to tell me which games are good. <laughs> right. Well, even EGM would be covering these games. Be real. <laughs> That's true. So, and the the fact that the Switch actually does have it does seem to have more discounts. It seems to have like 50, 60 games on sale every month, regardless. But the discounts really aren't that deep. Like we've always come to find with Nintendo products. Yeah. And you can yeah, find most of those games. Store. You can find any of these games, usually a lot of these indie games, are already out on Steam, and you've probably already had it to posit- the option to buy them for 50 to 75% off at this point. And it's nice to have them on the go. It's hard yeah. to beat Steam sales. I mean, even even the PlayStation Store runs Flash sales, and they do a pretty good job with that. I mean, same with you know Xbox Live or Gold or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, the Nintendo service just... Just like Nintendo, it's like Nintendo and Disney, I kind of put them in the same category where they know their stuff sells and they never put anything on sale. It is frustrating. But I do have two games that I've been playing on my Switch that are both indie games, and I got both of them on sale. Actually, no, I got one of them on sale. One of them I just needed to get. 
And the first you just one discredited everything we just talked about. <laughs> it's it, well, it's true. Well, let's see here. The first game I played, I think I got it for like twenty percent off. So does that really discredit that much? I like yeah, that's true. I like seventy five percent off, but that's just me. Those are nice. Yeah, I like to be cheap. So the first title I picked up was a a sort of a very original kind of Metroidvania game. You guys are going to get sick of hearing Metroidvania because those are like <laughs> the next group of games. Is a title <laughs> called Dondara. I don't know if you've heard of it. I haven't. I don't think a lot of people have. It's really it's really interesting. So the best way I can describe it is it's a Metroidvania game where you the way you navigate the world you attach to like sides of the screen or like you know like the ground or ceilings and you have to dash between them. You don't walk around, but you like hyper dash between different surfaces. Hmm. So like you have like so like think of it like this like think of like Peggle where it has the arrow that kind of shows you where you're gonna shoot. Okay. And it like ricochets off the wall, so you just jump around doing that, and then your other verbs are basically you have flasks to heal yourself, kind of like you would in a Dark Souls game. You have a certain amount of flasks, and the only other thing you can really do is. When you stand still, you can charge an attack, kind of like a Mega Buster in a Mega Man game, and then just like launch a few bullets at enemies. There's, it, it's not so much about the combat; it's more just trying to figure out how best to quickly navigate the levels. But you have to think about it in a very different way because you can't just jump over stuff. You have to sometimes go get in a dangerous situation to get through the levels because it's not a straight path. It's kind of puzzle heavy. The only time combat really becomes important is during like the super fast-paced boss battles, which are a lot of fun and pretty inventive. And they're one of those types of boss battles where like every every stage gets a heck of a lot more hectic. So like quarter the health bar, they're just shooting a few bullets at you, and then the <laughs> second one just like spreads it out, speeds it up, throws other enemies at you, and it just progresses. So you'll feel like you're doing real good, and then the game is just like big middle finger to you, deal with this. Which I, I kind of always appreciate. Makes it more enjoyable because you thought you had it figured out, but you don't. So it's like an old school shoot 'em up almost, like in that vein. Yeah, kind of, except at the same point, you're, you're dodging stuff, you're dodging these extra ads, but you're also having to remember what you can jump off, off of, and you have to, it, actually I would say a lot of the combat is based on just dodging and being able to place yourself close enough to an enemy to hit them, because you're, your weapon, which is ranged, it really only covers probably a fifth of the screen. So it doesn't actually go that far. It's actually more like trying to manage like a, a long-range melee attack. So you have to you have to be able to position yourself quickly while enemies are still moving around and stuff. I know it sounds kind of odd, but it, it was, it's very unique. And it, if anybody, if, if that idea appeals to anybody, it's definitely. I've never played another game like it. So you need almost, like, it's a mixture of a Metroidvania, a little bit puzzle-heavy, and you kind of need Twitch reactions, too? Definitely need Twitch reactions. Yeah, that's it, basically. And then your your weapon is a, a gun, but it's more like a shotgun, where it's just a... It's exactly what it's like. Okay. It's like a charged shotgun. You can't shoot it. You have to you have to kind of sit and charge it for a second, and then you let it go. And, I mean, you can... You can charge it, shoot it, charge it, shoot it. And you've also got some other sub-weapons. You get, you get like, missile upgrades. You get extra flasks. You get more levels. You, or no, you, you go up levels. You collect salt, I believe. 
I want to say is what it is, and it's just like Souls in the Soul series. Gotcha. And you buy upgrades to your health and your flask and stuff like that. So it's got the RPG elements, sort of. It's got it's got the the world map that's actually useful, and you get character progression, all that good stuff. But yeah, it's just it's really unique, and I I suggest people pick it up. And it's only I think it's only like fifteen bucks on the Switch, and that is where I'd suggest people pick it up because you can also play it with the touchscreen controls, and it's actually pretty good. Yeah, I mean that's I mean I probably still wouldn't want to play with touchscreen controls, but that's no, not like I, a really I tend, cool game. I tend to stick to the handheld, but yeah, I mean it's an option and it works out pretty good. It's a pretty cool game. The other game that I picked up, uh, I guess last week was a roguelike game, which I don't usually like. Yeah, what? I know, I know. But this one is called a robot named Fight. Coolest name ever, right? <laughs> or the most generic name ever. Anyway, this is a roguelike Metroid game. It, it it's basically an almost a ripoff of Metroid. Your dude looks like Samus, moves like Samus, gets a lot of the same power-ups, you know, the charge beam, the uh, high jump, can turn into a, a tiny robot, drop bombs, stuff like that. The, the whole point is it's just randomly generated each time, which a lot of people are going to be like, well, red flag there. How does a Metroidvania game work like that? Because what if you don't have the right powers to get through it? Well, the game... The game sets it up where it gives you the powers that you need to go through the levels. So, the like, if it if it sets up a level, it's going to know that you need missiles here to get through this. It's going to give you missiles during that section. Right. And it doesn't, obviously, it doesn't give you those powers from the beginning. I mean, you still got to collect them. You have to collect currency to buy other power-ups and stuff, too. They they set it up where it still kind of feels like a, a Metroid experience where you have to go to one area of the map to get the power up and then you can go to a different then it unlocks obviously the progress to the next area and it's a lot like Rogue Legacy where it's kind of cut up into like four or five different levels but it's now all still technically one thing but yeah it's like sectioned off and I think Rogue Legacy was like four levels, and then you had, like, the, the main boss. was so kind of five levels, but... Right. I think this one's a... This, this game seems... A, I don't know if there's that many levels to it, but there's, like, 20 bosses, and they kind of... Th- those are randomized. You don't fight them all every run. But you are finding, like, missile containers, health and containers, different things like that, different types of... Different powered shots for your arm cannon, stuff like that. But it plays exactly like it, and I've had a pretty good time with it so far. I've played it for about five hours. It's It's so, a... It's a nice game to just pick up and play once and then leave it alone. I mean, that's kind of how roguelikes, I, I feel like they're meant to be played. But Yeah, so it's kind of like, I would just say another one just like it, which also a great game, which I got on the Switch too, is 20XX, which is pretty much a Mega Man X roguelike. So, I mean, that game was a ton of fun. It's eight levels, and you have to get through every one, and they get progressively harder just based on the random order that you go through it. But, yeah, I mean, it's basically a direct Mega Man ripoff, if you want to call it there, but it's a roguelike. Oh, it, 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 it definitely feels like a ripoff. It, it, I've, played both of the, I've played both of the games, and they both feel so close to the original inspiration. It's borderline lawsuit level. And when we say ripoff, though, that's a compliment coming from us, not to say that's a bad thing. It's actually a compliment. Right. No, it's true. They they take the the gameplay that we've come to love and just put it into a different universe and a different type of gameplay 
but it feels the same in your hands. And that's what we're looking for because we don't get a lot of releases for those titles anymore. Thank God Mega Man 11's coming out next month. Exactly. But yeah, otherwise it's been, what, 10 came out in like 2009 or 10? Yeah, it's been it's been crazy. But this is another one of those situations where you'll be like, well, you, you guys seem to like those different games, but in a previous episode we mentioned, or Buck mentioned that, you know, he prefers the Mega Man series. I like Castlevania series. I also love the Metroid games. I think that's one that you like to a lesser extent than I do as well. Yeah, I mean, I I do love me some... Castlevania is always a good time. I like it more than Metroid. Metroid I haven't ever really been able to get into. Maybe it's because the, uh, Your battery. the crappy copy. I got my Super Metroid from the good old local book broker here, which is a place that sells... Uh, used games and comics and things like that and probably taking a few years off my life from all the chain smoke that was going on inside there. But yeah, I mean, the, uh, the copy I got of uh, Super Metroid from there, unfortunately the battery erases every time you turn it off. So Yeah, that's frustrating, but you don't have any excuses anymore, you and your Super Nintendo Classic, sir. That's true, but now I just... Haven't ever. I've went through That's that right. first section so many times. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah, I get you. But yes. yeah, definitely check Robot Named Fight out if you're a Metroid fan, and then 20XX if you're a Mega Man fan. They're they're both really good. I don't have any complaints about them, and I don't even like roguelikes. Yeah, but I think we, you like those, or we like those in particular because we like the source material so much. Or what right. is the inspiration, I guess, not necessarily yeah. the source material. Yeah, we may as well segue that into me liking Dead Cells as well. That's another game that I picked up temporarily again this month. I played that when it came out uh, in alpha or beta form on Steam, and Dead Cells is basically a... I like to think of it as an upgraded, more fast-paced version of Rogue Legacy, which both of us liked. Both of us yeah. played back when it came out, and that's a fun game, and that feels... Fairly Castlevania-esque, but Dead Cells takes it one step further. Uh, a lot, a lot more weapons, a lot more options, uh, a lot faster gameplay. You got combat roles, and you have a lot of different weapons that you can equip. You, yeah, you can have up to two melee weapons, but they can also you can also switch those out and get like bows and arrows. And then you also have two other abilities that you can pick up going through the levels, which can range from grenades to traps to turrets, things like that. So there's a lot more options to the gameplay that you can get while you're going through it. But it works much the same as any other roguelike. You get currency, you spend it on upgrades, and then you do a, a fresh run, whatever abilities you pick up. You have to kind of deal with those and kind of make do. I mean, Dead Cells, too. I mean, I haven't played it. It's one I'm going to check out, but that's a freaking beautiful-looking game. Yes, it is. Yeah, it, I don't I don't have any issues with the graphics. All the levels look spectacular, and I'm just kind of a sucker for 16. I guess that I guess that one would be considered 16-bit esque, maybe. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I don't know. Like 20XX looks okay, and I'm guessing Robot Named Fight probably does too. But Dead Cells looks uh looks like the budget's kind of on the next level there. Yeah, it is. I actually think a Robot Named Fight looks a lot more like a Metroid game than 20XX looks like one of the Mega Man games. Oh, I think. okay, gotcha. Yeah, because 20XX looks like it's a little bit more anime-y. I want to say it's a little less... I don't know yeah, how it does. I mean, it, it just looks like a... It looks more hand-drawn, like Flash game-esque. Yes, a little bit. for sure. 
Yeah, which is which which is not saying anything bad about it. It actually looks good. The graphics aren't don't look cheap, but they just look a little different. Yeah, they don't look like they're on the the level of like a Dead Cells though. Correct, I agree. And I'd I'd even argue. Well, I don't know. They're both those both are for pe- Dead Cells and Twenty XX are for people who want a much faster paced roguelike because they both play very quickly. So so that'd probably be right up my alley then. Yeah, I think so. I think you'd definitely enjoy it. I think you'd enjoy that a heck of a lot more than you'd like a robot named Fight. Probably, since we went over my history of Metroid. Yeah, one thing about a robot named Fight that I think may be a negative, the runs seem to take a lot longer, and you don't see a lot of permanent upgrades. Like, when you go through it, you'll hit, like, you'll kill certain bosses, and you'll find new areas, and it will, it won't, like, make you more powerful. Like, you don't get those permanent kind of stat boosts that some of them give you, especially like Rogue Legacy. But you'll unlock new items that can be accessed later on in the game. Like, for each for for the next run, you'll have a chance to, say, finding a rocket launcher or something now. So Yeah, but, I mean, that's basically like progression, because you're unlocking new stuff to get unlocked as you go through. Yeah. All those games are pretty solid, all kind of the same idea. Yeah, and definitely uh, good games, and some you should check out just on the indie side of things. And I know Dead Cells actually gotten a decent amount of coverage. I don't think the other two have really uh, gotten too much in there. No, I, I would say 20XX has probably gotten considerably more coverage than a robot named Fight has. Yeah, I would agree. There's actually I've seen some some people I follow on YouTube and things like that covering 20XX, but yeah, I'd never heard of a robot named Fight, so. Well, so that kind of proves our point then, doesn't it? <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to just try and transition there over to a game that's gotten ridiculous amounts of coverage, and that would be uh, Spider-Man for PS4. Have you gotten a shot to, to play it at all? I haven't gotten a shot to play it, no. <laughs> uh, I haven't. I, I, I've seen some coverage on it. It looks good. Uh watched some reviews uh, from some people that I, I follow on YouTube. Game looks pretty sick. Um I thought it looked great when they announced it, I don't know how many E3s ago. I kind of got sick of it kind of stealing the limelight during some of the Sony press conferences, which were garbage to begin with, but they always ended on that game, which which looks cool. I'm uh, I'm a huge fan of the, the Batman Arkham games. Yeah, I like yeah, those. So that's, what it, kinda... that's what it really feels like. I mean, just an extension of that, except uh, using Spider-Man really, I would argue, it has more... Powers and everything is disposable in Batman. I guess Batman has gadgets, but if there's ever a game that actually made you feel like you were Spider-Man, could actually do, you know, a lot of different things and kind of put your yourself into a the comic book or movie. I mean, this is gonna be the closest thing there is. What about Maximum Carnage? Well, Maximum Carnage was epic, but and there was the there's one on uh, Super Nintendo too. Was Maximum Carnage one or two players? I don't remember. I think it's only one. I thought it was two players, and I had it on Super Nintendo. Oh, that must be the Genesis version was one player, and the Super Nintendo version is two players. Because, yeah, you could be Spider-Man and Venom, and we put some hours into it. That yeah, was a pretty good game. I, can't, I Honestly, I'm trying to think of any other good Spider-Man besides, was it Spider-Man 2 Spider-Man that was on PS2? PS2 yeah. I actually yeah. like the Spider-Man on Nintendo 64, too. Actually, that was on PlayStation as well. And yeah, I think it was, was pretty good. 
There's a it got a sequel of just Spider Man two, not off the movie. Just called Spider Man two on PlayStation that was decent too. Spider Man's got a pretty good track record then. Way better than most. Way better yeah. than Batman overall. Especially Absolutely. Superman. So tell me about your experience with it so far. I mean, so far I'm not super far into it. I'm probably only I don't know, probably like twenty percent of the way through. Yeah. And I usually don't get into games like uh, just open world games in general. Never been a big GTA guy or anything. And so, I mean, there's a ton to do. You can find a bunch of collectibles. There's backpacks sitting everywhere. You can follow the main story. And just uh, swinging around the different boroughs in New York is just a lot of fun. I don't know. You just have to. It's something you'd have to play. They even have like a a good old like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater type trick system in there for swinging, which you can just mess around going from place to place and I mean just when you're swinging around and your little police scanner or whatever goes off and then you can stop random thugs and you have to do I mean so many of those you get achievements there's just there's always something to do and you don't necessarily have to follow the main story all the time which for me a dude that really doesn't do a ton of side quests it's kind of weird that is weird that must mean just the moment-to-moment gameplay must be pretty engaging and enjoyable. Yeah, it is. I guess the only gripe with it so far would be the majority the, of the, the time... Puddles? Like, the puddles? The puddles? Yes, the puddles <laughs> and the graphics. Exactly. What a dumbass argument that was. <laughs> Good God. Yeah, that was so stupid. People complaining about that. They, they call that Puddlegate? Is that, what, is that what came out of that? Oh, yeah, Puddlegate. Oh, Heck boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. People are just, just looking for shit to complain about. Yeah, that was that was completely ridiculous. The game looks looks awesome. I mean, it looks pretty freaking about as next gen as you can get. I don't have a PS4 Pro or anything else, but it looks pretty freaking good. And the puddles look fine. Is it, yeah, does it does it run well too? No. Oh yeah, there's no hiccups or anything, and there's not really any load times to speak of either. Everything is just smooth. I don't know if it's. I would assume it's probably 60 frames, but yeah, I mean. Everything runs super smooth. I guess the biggest drawback is just the amount of random thugs you're facing most of the time versus actual... And maybe that'll change later on when I get further in the story. It seems like I've just fought a lot of randos versus actual like villains from the show. Or show, movie, comic book, whatever. But it is kind of cool that you don't need any uh, prior experience really with Spider-Man. It's kind of a standalone story. And it also starts when he's, like, not, you know, 15 years old. It starts, he's in his mid-20s and has been doing the Spider-Man thing for a while. So you can have all your powers already. So you don't have to live through the same origin story we've all heard 60 times at this point. Yeah, 60 times in, like, 40 different ways. It all ends the same. No, you're already there, which is nice. And yeah, look your, it does look pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you should definitely pick it. I don't know if you want to pick it up, but at least try it out since I know you like the Arkham games quite a bit. Yeah, I really liked Arkham Arkham City. I never got around to playing is it Arkham Knight? Is that the it, last it, is that is that how they worded that? Yeah. I never got around to playing that one, but I liked Asylum and Arkham City a whole lot. Yeah, I played I think I, I beat Asylum, I think I played Arkham City. And I never played Arkham Knight at all. I think you're doing but, it right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't necessarily like Batman as a character. I like Spider-Man way better, so that helps. Yeah, I think I prefer Batman overall, and I, I think the the move to 
the the open world experience that they had in Arkham City definitely definitely helped it out a lot. Arkham Asylum was was great. It was just a very tight knit game that was very focused, uh, but it didn't have a lot of long, longevity like City. Yeah, and any, it, was, it basically it was revolutionary any, at the time too. I mean, there were yeah, basically all the Batman games had sucked up to that point, and then the combat system was something that everyone still copies. Spider-Man in particular, it it does have a lot. It does it does seem to have a lot of uh, expanded points on it. It seems to have a deeper like combo system and things of that nature. And I think it, well, it has this. Rocksteady also make the Batman games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there we go. Same developer, so it makes sense. So did Rocksteady work with Insomniac on that one? Yeah, I think I think Rocksteady actually developed Spider-Man Insomniac. I mean, Sony might have published it. Maybe I'm getting that wrong. I was going to say, every time I ever heard about Spider-Man, all I heard was Insomniac. I'm not saying Rocksteady didn't work on it, but I actually didn't know they... I, if you would have asked me, I just would have said Insomniac. I think that they're the ones that actually did the majority of development. But well, you would think that they would be the perfect studio to go ahead and take that on. Yeah, exactly. Since Either they, that or they're the ones working on a Superman game right now that hasn't been shown yet that's apparently in the works. It's one of the two. Maybe I'm getting that confused. I, it's hard telling. I'm not but really it's a good game. People should pick it up. Agreed. I, I, I look forward to it. I'll, I'll wait till it goes into uh, less than a deep discount. <laughs> I'll probably end up playing Dad of War before I get to that one. Yeah, but you've always been a God of War fan where I never really cared about it, so that's why that hasn't really appealed to me. Truth be told. So we'll go ahead and move on to my next one. i got I got two more on my list. I'm sticking with the Metroidvanias here because that's, that's all I played this month. Play. <laughs> yeah, it's what I play, and it's pretty much all I played this month. And there was a lot of good ones that came out, and these are, these are two of the big hitters that came out this month. first one is Death's Gambit, which is kind of... Be- between an 8-bit and a 16-bit, I'd consider it primarily more of just a 2D Souls game, more so than a Metroidvania game, because the the act of the exploration and getting new movement abilities and things like that is something that is not present. It doesn't have a map or anything like that. You kind of just explore the world. Yeah, I don't know what I want to call it, but you don't have that kind of... You, you don't get... Domain over your surroundings the same yeah, way you do it. It's just more like exploratory. Yeah, so it, it, it's exploratory kind of. I don't want to say it in a linear fashion, but there's not like a lot of backtracking to get power ups and things like that. So it's more RPG esque. So you're 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 fighting enemies, uh, getting. I'm trying to remember what they called it in that one. If it's like essence or whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. Essence, salt, souls, whatever. You get that currency. And you spend it on leveling up your stats, much like you do in the Soul series, strength, dexterity, vitality, whatever. And that dictates what equipment you can use. And there's, you know, there's daggers, swords, great swords, things like that. There's also magic. And a lot of it is just trying to figure out the, the combat mechanics, what weapons work well against certain enemies. Um, the game is kind of heralded as being as hard as a game from the Soul series, and originally... Well, I was going to say, that's one I remember them just kind of hyping as it was coming out. It's basically a 2D Dark Souls. It was pretty much how they wanted the game to be known. Yeah, it was pretty crazy, actually, how much marketing went into that game, how many people were talking about it well before it came out, like a year before it ever came out. 
And I think it probably went through some development hell there for a while. But overall, the game came out pretty well, and I would suggest it to anybody who is is looking for that 2D Souls kind of experience since we got uh, Salt and Sanctuary, which was the first attempt at it, which I think some people are going to argue is probably a better game. Um, I would say that they're both very good games, uh, if not a little flawed and maybe trying to take too much uh, inspiration from the Souls series, just trying to be kind of just like brutally hard, but not necessarily having... I mean, not necessarily this is having... the first game that you've you've brought up that I've had, well, besides Dead Cells, done some research on, and from what I saw, it got a lot of mixed reviews. There were a lot of people that liked it, and then there were also a decent amount of people that didn't necessarily um, like it as well as I would have thought. Like, it didn't get the, the glowing reviews like Dead Cells did. Yeah, I kind of expected it to. I bought it the day it came out, and about three hours into it, I was about to pan it. So is it hard, like cheap hard, or is it... Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I wouldn't say it's cheap hard, but it seems cheap hard at the beginning. And here's, here's the reason why. It doesn't really signpost where you're supposed to go. And a Metroidvania game or a, a 2D exploration game like this, the signposts are basically what areas can you get with what skill sets you have. The issue with Death's Gambit is that you get to a certain point pretty early in the game where you'll get to the point where you'll have two or three bosses that you can access that are brutally hard, but you're not supposed to fight them yet. Ah. And, and, and here's the thing. They're so easy to get to, it just seems like where you're supposed to go. And my thought was, oh, well, I, you know, I read that this game's supposed to be hard. It could be Dark Souls hard. This is hard. I just need to get good. The problem yeah. is the controls in this game are not good enough to support, or I, d- I didn't feel, especially at that point with my experience and time with the game, I didn't feel like the controls were good enough to get me through, and I felt like the, the enemies had way too much health, and I was like, this game is going gonna, is gonna to kill me. I'm not going to finish this game. Well, it turns out that there was one area pretty far off the beaten path away from these bosses that I needed to go to, had a boss that was considerably easier. And then once I got past that point, I just left those other bosses until I was done exploring in this other direction, came back this way, I had the stats, I had some new weapons, things like that, and it was all good at that point. It didn't matter that the controls weren't pinpoint accurate enough for me to get through this 10 to 15 minute boss fight without losing all my health. I had a ton more flat or, you know, life flasks now. I was, you know, 20, 30 levels stronger. No big deal. So would you call that poor level design or what would you consider that as? I, w- I don't know if I'd call it poor level design, but it's definitely poor signaling to the player, especially that early in the game. Uh, because those, those those characters and those area or those bosses and those areas that you go to they're just it, it's the general path the game's leading you towards but it's not where you're supposed to go next and it was just frustrating normally you know in a metroidvania game you'd have a map that would have you know all the areas you've explored you'd have a couple of areas that are kind of pinpointed that you hadn't quite visited yet well this game doesn't have a map 
So you don't know if there's areas that you could go to just like on a whim. So you just kind of got to go back and forth and try to figure that out. And I eventually did, but... If that hadn't been like a game that you would have been dedicated to and really looking forward to, like if, just for instance, if I would have bought that on kind of like a whim, say it's on sale on a, you know, PSN or something on sale for like four bucks. You would have put it down. I probably would have put it down. <laughs> I, think, I think, yeah, I think you would have. And I, I may have too. I mean, I was pretty motivated to like the game. As it's been said many, many times, I love the Soulsborne series. I like 2D exploration games. Sounds good. I loved Salt and Sanctuary, even though I know it, I don't want, I'd actually say its reviews were much less mixed than I've seen Death's Gambit ended up being. But it, yeah, it's Salt kind Sanctuary of this. Salt pretty positive. I yeah. Mean, overall. And I didn't, I never ran into the same issue that I had with Death's Gambit when I played Salt and Sanctuary. I got that game when it came out. Sure, it was hard, but I, I played through it. I was never, never as frustrated as I was at that like three hour point, but it, it and once I got past that, the game I I thoroughly enjoyed the game. The controls are definitely good enough to get through the game, but there's a certain point where it, maybe if I went back and played the game again now that I finished it, I'd be able to beat those harder bosses earlier in the game. Because for a game like that, you think that you would want controls to be on point. I mean, yeah, I, I think they're I think they're a little delayed. Kind of kind of think about like. You remember when the first time you played Dark Souls 2 and the controls didn't quite feel like they did in the first game? Yeah, or like Demon Souls. Yeah. It was kind of like that. It was like, these aren't quite as tight as I would want them to be from other games that I've played. So once you get past that point and you know where you're supposed to go, the leveling up process, the, the environments, the exploration, it's all... It all feels right. It's rewarding. It's enjoyable in that kind of RPG progression kind of way. And I thought the visuals for, were fantastic. The the enemy designs, boss designs, they're all really cool. Um, and they were all interesting and unique amongst each other. And I, I never got bored after I got past that frustration point. I pretty much played through it in like two or three days. It only takes probably eight to ten hours to play through. And after that, you do get, like, new game cycles. You can pick the difficulty that you want after you beat the game the first time. So Yeah, I feel like 8 to 10 hours for a game like that's kind of the sweet spot, though. I don't want it to last, you know, 25 hours. Yeah, uh, I only want my absolute favorite games to last 25 hours normally. And I think, even though I had that frustration with it, after I got past that point, I would definitely play through it again. I'm glad I stuck with it. Because I think it is a good game. I would definitely suggest it to people who are kind of looking for that experience. But be ready to potentially be frustrated if you are an idiot like me and you didn't see the, <laughs> the writing on the walls so that you needed to go left instead of right. Yeah, that can make a big difference. <laughs> yeah, it does. I think, we've, I think we've all been there, though, with different oh, games. Oh, for sure. I mean, that, I mean, you could even argue, well, that's what Dark Souls did sometimes. I don't think it ever did it that bad, though. Yeah, I know. At one point, uh, Brad, he was uh, playing Dark Souls, and he still never had picked it back up. He went a wrong direction somehow and kept getting um, stomped by a dragon like every single time. Or went over that bridge, I think, where the dragon like spits the fire, and he didn't realize you could go under. He kept running across and dying, and I think he just put it down and quit. Mm. 
Yeah, you got to think through some of that stuff. <laughs> that might be my suggestion. But, I mean, I was frustrated with Dark Souls the first time I played it on several occasions. The games are hard. They make you learn. Some some of the stuff's kind of cheap. As big of a fan as I am, I can admit when I think the game's kind of BS. Oh, yeah, there's definitely points there where just you're set up to fail. Yeah. Death Gambit, those bosses that are early on in the game that you can access are not BS when you're at the appropriate level. And I don't feel like any of the game is unfair after that point. Sounds like, yeah, sounds like one to definitely try out there. I'd, yeah. I'd probably still go with Dead Cells first, just for me personally. But Well, here, here's what I'd suggest. If, if you, if you want to try a, a fast-paced roguelike game, definitely do Dead Cells. If you want a, if you want more of an RPG, a 2D RPG, go for Death's Gambit or Soul Sanctuary. Ooh, that's that's tempting then. Yeah, that, that just depends what you want. Or if you want to spite Chuck, just play Hollow Knight. That's always there. Too. Yeah, that's true. I think that's probably <laughs> going to be what I'm, I'm going to be playing next month. I'm going to like force myself to love it. <laughs> I got one more. You got any more? I got. Yeah, I got um, actually three more here, but two of them I'm going to group together here real quick. Okay. And that would be um, two that stay in the rotation for me all the time are uh, League of Legends and Overwatch. And uh, Overwatch gets played a lot here. Uh, I actually buy my wife more than myself. Uh, she's an Overwatch fiend and puts a ton of hours into it. And I uh, introduced her to the addiction, I guess, so that's on me. But, yeah, I mean, that's a game that's it's a ton of fun. I mean, Blizzard games, of course, they're always ridiculously polished and well put together and they keep making good quality of life changes and um, adding everything with free updates which I, I can appreciate there and I don't mind loot boxes either in games when everything's cosmetic so I could care less if skins are locked behind loot boxes to be honest but yeah, yeah. everything in that game you can ultimately earn without paying for it right oh, besides sure. the game itself I mean they have so many skins where it's I mean good luck oh no and, sure Absolutely. And it comes at random. But yeah, I mean, nothing affects gameplay. That's when I draw the line when loot boxes affect gameplay. If it's all, if everything's cosmetic, like, I want Winston the Ape to look like a Yeti, yeah, that'd be cool. And a lot of stuff you can buy with the in-game currency you earn from loot boxes and stuff, too. So, I mean, I don't have anything bad to say about their system there. It's not like EA. But yeah, I mean, just the game overall, it's a ridiculous amount of fun. It's a team-based shooter, which I think everyone on the... The planet knows what Overwatch is. I don't feel like I should have to explain to anyone at this point. Yeah, I don't think you're going to blow anybody's mind with either one of those games. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just going to gloss over them here real quick. But yeah, I mean, that's games that I'm not necessarily playing all the... just putting a lot of hours into or playing a ton, but there's someone that... It's easy where I can just throw a match on Overwatch or a game of League of Legends on, and it's something that pretty much stays in the rotation, but it's not really a... Either one's really a game I'd consider that'd be um, now playing, if you will. It's just always playing, basically. And I just downloaded Arena of Valor on the Switch the other day, which is a so did I. Clone. Yeah, we're gonna have to play that. Yeah, we may do that. We may do that for an episode. <laughs> Buck teaches me how to play a MOBA. It's uh, it's pretty simple from what I've played so far. It's like it's a dumbed down version of League, which is good for you. That is good for me. I'm gonna need it. It's uh, it's. I mean, for well, it's a free-to-play game. It's pretty fun. So. Well, we're also gonna have to figure out how Nintendo's 
online system works. Well, you don't have to have that to play it, so it's separate from that, because I don't have that and I can still play it, so... Thank God. I don't know if you have that or not, but... That was was stressing me out. (laughs) No, you don't have to have that. We'll figure something out. But yeah, the League of Legends and Overwatch, they both stay in my uh, queue pretty much at all times, and just something I can throw a game on, you know, now and then, and Overwatch probably more so than League, just because uh, my wife and I both play it and both get in competitive there, and she's actually better at it than I am these days, so. Well, I'd say she puts way more time into it, too, so that, that's a safe bet. Yeah. <laughs> and it's nice that she can play that, and I can be on my Switch, and we can both still be in the same room hanging out there while she's raging at her terrible teammates. I can be, you know, playing some Switch games and Tropical Freeze or something. There you go. Well, likely she's playing now. And that's true. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. But you said you had, uh, you want me to go over my last one here, or do you want to go over yours? I guess it doesn't really matter. I'll go over my last one. I'm so excited right. to talk about it. Uh, another another indie game just came out last week, uh, a game that's been in development for, I think, about five years now, and it's a title called Time Spinner, which is another Metroidvania. I promise it's the last one I'm going to talk about this episode, guys. <laughs> This game has been on my radar for probably a little over a year now. Been uh, listening to updates and waiting for any kind of news I can get off of uh, Steam from the developers and stuff like that. But basically, it is a love letter to anyone that enjoyed Castlevania Symphony of Night or any of the ones on the Game Boy Advance or the DS, which are like my favorite games ever. Yeah, that's so, a big, big old check mark there. So I I check this out then. I was so stoked, but I've seen a lot of Metroidvania games come out on Steam that say that they're an RPG. They've got all these fun features. They're they're inspired by Castlevania. They're going to feel right when I play them. This is probably the first one that feels spot on from the environments to, while the graphics are probably a little bit more, probably a little bit more less mature, uh, a little bit more cartoony maybe. I don't really know how to describe that. But the environment. I mean, Castlevania itself though always had some um, anime-inspired art or graphics. Yeah, so. I think it's a little bit more cartoony than it is anime, like the ones on the DS. Oh, okay. I think it's a little bit more, a little bit more like Disney cartoony. That's different. Is what I'm getting at. Uh, but the big thing is is just the the layout of the game, the you know the progression through the through the world, going through you know castles, forests, under subterranean caves, things like that. The music, I if no one had told me and they would have given me the soundtrack, I would have told you it was like a remix of of a Castlevania game or a bunch of Castlevania games. The the music is one of the things that just kind of like wraps the whole package up. But yeah, that's a that's a high compliment for anyone who doesn't know Castlevania. I mean, they always have spot on great soundtracks. Yes, fantastic. And so even things as you know as minute as the the map system, the map looks almost exactly like it it does for a Metroid or a Castlevania game. It it dictates everything very well. Signposts where you've been, where you haven't. There's also a because it's called time spinners. There's a little bit of time travel in there. You go between two different versions of the world. 
Uh, the, the layout's a little different. You do that too. I haven't actually gotten to the point where you really like solve any puzzles doing that yet because you can only do it at certain points. But it, it, it makes it very interesting to explore the areas in different times and see how they've changed. And I mean, while the story is, is nothing exciting, it's not why I play these kinds of games. It's all about the RPG elements, you know, killing enemies, leveling up, getting new movement abilities, like, you know, the classic double jump. This game has one special power that lets you kind of freeze time, and that's kind of uh, the main ability that you have to kind of navigate early on in the game, even though I feel like I'm probably seven hours in, and I feel like that mechanic isn't used anymore, which is strange. Kind of strange. It is strange. I agree, but maybe it comes back later. Although I feel like I'm, I think I'm 65% of the way through the game. But regardless, it allows you to freeze enemies and you, you use them as platforms, stuff like that, jump around. So but, there have been a lot of puzzles that dealt with time, kind of like Oracle of Ages? No, not really. Uh, I would say the biggest, honestly, the biggest puzzles are making enemies platforms in the right spots and using time to, like, keep a crumbling bridge together. There's really not any puzzles. It's more like Castlevania where you're just running around levels looking for, you know, special passageways, uh, attacking each wall to see if there's a breakable one, <laughs> and then just killing enemies, getting level ups, getting new equipment and stuff. That's all very Castlevania-esque. You know, you get level ups just like you would in Symphony of the Night. Equipment is a little bit more, is a little bit more like Order of Ecclesia. Did you play that one? Yeah. So you don't have like a ton of weapons, but you get those you get those glyphs that give you like different weapons that you use. So this game is very similar. Throughout the game, you get different orbs, and they give you different abilities. different yeah different abilities. Basically, like you'll get you'll get swords, you'll get some some ranged attacks, things like that, and those also level up. You you have orbs that are associated with different elements, and that element levels up as you kill enemies with it. Just and the more you use it and the more you kill people, the stronger yeah. it gets, basically. Yeah, basically. And so far I've got like seven of them, and, and they're all like strong and weak against different enemies. So no big deal really there. And then you also get like magic, which kind of works like a, kind of like a Mega Buster in a Mega Man game, where you have to charge it up for a second or two, and then you just unleash close range fire, or, you know, there's actually like the first one you get is actually kind of like one of the advanced Mega Busters from like Mega Man X3. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So you get you get that those level up too. You get some rings and you know like armor slots and things like that. Very just basic stat sticks. And you also get a little familiar system where you get like, you know, had Symphony of the Night where you had the familiars like the fairy and the sword go around kind of fight independently of you as well. You got those those level up too. So it's it's got kind of all of the elements from Symphony of the Night, uh, just kind of dumbed down a little bit, because I mean. I can't, Which is fine. <laughs> I can't imagine these, this very, very small team that worked on this game to make something that grandiose, and that game spoiled me forever. It was like <laughs> the first of its kind anyway. But it really does just have this, this great balance and this, this fantastic attempt at recreating the magic of those games. Immediately, I felt like I was playing one of the DS games, and that was no small feat. I haven't had any issues with it, like no big glitches, no things where I was just like, oh, that's that's kind of questionable. I don't know if that was a good design decision. And, you know, that may just be me just loving those kinds of games and me having a hard time maybe uh, seeing flaws in it. But I, I've, had, I've played it for, I guess, seven hours now. And it's been a complete joy. 
And at this point, I think it might be my favorite game of the year. That's a, that's a strong statement. There's been a lot of a lot of good yeah. stuff come out this year, so there it's impressive. Has been. Yeah, I, I look forward to finishing that up this week, and hopefully it, it stays on there. I'll give you guys an update next month, probably. Yeah, we're going over everything next month. And uh, I guess the last game then to mention is uh, another Metroidvania. No, just kidding, guys. We, we got all those out of the That's, way. You need to play more. You don't play enough. <laughs> no, the last game we're gonna actually going to talk about is uh, a game I didn't really expect to like a lot, or especially as much as I did. I was actually on the fence even of getting and that's a uh, Xenoblade 2, uh, Torn of the Golden Country, which is uh, the um, edition or really DLC add-on, whatever you want to call it. It's actually it's also a standalone game, and I would highly suggest uh, anyone to pick it up, even if you haven't played Xenoblade 2 or even didn't necessarily enjoy it a ton, because I actually haven't finished it, and it was just kind of all right in my book. But uh, Torna kind of fixes everything... Xenoblade did wrong and delivers in spades. Do you know much about the game, Chuck? Have you heard much about it? You know, I've heard that the base game itself is supposed to be very good, and pretty much all of the entries in the series have been pretty well lauded. I haven't heard much about the DLC, though. I think all I know about it is that, was it like 20 bucks, maybe? I think it, yeah, I mean, you can get for 20 bucks, or I think the physical copy is actually 40 Bucks. I think you can get the add-on for 20 but you can do it either way. I would actually suggest even... I know you don't have Xenoblade 2, do you? I don't. I only have the original uh, Xenoblade for the 3DS. Yeah, I have the original Xenoblade for the Wii, and I didn't really uh, care for it that much. And I know that's not a popular opinion, and a lot of people freaking adored that game, but I found it uh, the combat to be a little slow and clunky, honestly. Yeah, it was kind of like there was in, uh, too many side quests for him. Well, there's, there still is. That's still a problem in the second one. <laughs> <laughs> Probably I haven't finished it yet. There's way too many. But no, uh, Tornoa does, and maybe it's one reason I like it. It streamlines the whole process. The game's probably like, I don't know, it's supposed to be like 30 or 40 hours long. I'm not, I'm probably like 12 or so hours into it. And it's been a complete blast the whole time. And uh, one reason I think I like it more, the story itself is a whole lot more um, just serious. And kind of condensed, and I don't know if uh, if anyone follows the actual uh, Xenoblade 2 story and kind of knows what's going on. It's based, it's a prequel that's like 500 years in the past, and it's based on um, a lot of characters in in Xenoblade 2. I don't want to get into spoiler territory in case people haven't really um, played that game or had a chance to play this one yet, but you kind of know a lot of the the outcome really when you're jumping into it as far as the story goes. And I would make comparisons a lot story-wise to, like, if anyone's played a Crisis Core or Final Fantasy VII, it's uh, kind of a lot like that, which is another one of my favorite games, actually, on the good old PSP that we seem to give praise to every episode. Crisis Core is incredible. Yeah, it's one of my favorite games ever, actually. But, yeah, I mean, the story is kind of it's, uh, more serious, a little more in the vein of that. It is a... Prequel 500 years in the past, but the the combat itself is the main change here, and it's probably the best combat system in RPG that I've played in the past 10 years, I want to say, because I, got, I found, like, oh, go ahead. I've got a question for you. Why do you think they changed the combat between the game and then the DLC? 
I think there was too much, uh, I don't know if you'd say too much downtime. That's the way I felt just playing it because it felt like a lot of what you did, like every uh, standard attack was completely automated and you would only, um, your face buttons were your arts or your specials, whatever you want to call them, and that's all you really had to do. And it was cool. I mean, they still had, like, if you had a whole party together, you could still do, like, team arts and cross arts, which were uh, the closest thing to, like, Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross combined attacks, which I always appreciate. What about Wild Arms 5? They did it good, too. But you well, didn't play I still it. have that game... No, that's four. I still have sealed. <laughs> I don't think no, I have that. Five that one has it too, but that game's not as good. Okay, well, let's regardless, still, uh, let's still not derail. Yes, too. <laughs> don't let me derail the conversation. So, what they fixed about it in uh, in Torna, the DLC, is now you actually control um, the driver and the blade, which is the the blade. If uh, anyone uh, has played played Xenoblade 2. The Blade is like the character. It's hard to explain if you haven't played it. Like I guess uh, the main character is Rex. It's the dude, and then Pyra is like the chick that the main character's with, and basically she's like a, a human weapon for him. In the other game, you can only control him, and she was just kind of everything she did was automated. In this one, you actually basically have a tag system where you can control both people. So you control the blade and the driver, which basically you have twice as much to do and way more um, combined attacks and specials. And then you get um, a whole party of people super quick, like within the first three or four hours, you get your whole crew set. And there hasn't been a bunch of side missions derail what I've been going through the main story. So... I don't know. Like you said, it might be my game of the year so far, and it's freaking DLC technically. Yeah, it's very strange. I don't know if they're like just trying to like rectify the issues that they saw with it, even though I mean, the game got pretty damn good reviews. Yeah, I mean, Xenoblade Two was loved by most people who played it. I, I for whatever reason, I thought I was gonna really like it, and it was only. Like, it's definitely not bad. It's still a solid game, but I didn't like it as much as I thought, and then I almost didn't even buy the, the DLC, but definitely glad I did, and now it's making me want to go back and finish Xenoblade 2, but now I'm worried it's going to be like a kind of a step back. So I guess we'll see what happens there. I might be might be like Hollow Knight for you. It might be what I'm tackling next month. Well, let's, let's hope one of us has some luck. You know, it kind of sounds like maybe they're experimenting for the next one experimenting with a different combat system before they start designing a whole 200-hour experience around it? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, because those games are freaking long. I haven't finished Xenoblade 1 or 2, but I know it kind of is refreshing to hear Torna was like uh, 25 to like 35 hours in a lot less uh, side quest heavy. But yeah, I mean, the battle system is what sold me, and that's uh, between that and the story, if anyone does play games for story, this has the Probably the darkest story in maybe a game released on Nintendo console. Not that that might be saying a whole lot, but it's a it has a more of a dark, I guess, undertone than it does necessarily a super dark story and world. But it's definitely just worth checking out. I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, good game, good story, and great battle system. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a lot of people would be interested in that. I mean. I would probably go with that one too. I I don't think uh, either one of the either Xenoblade one or two are going to be too up my up my alley. I also just don't have the time to put towards them, even though people are like, "Well, you play WoW." 
<laughs> like, wait a minute. I was about to shoot holes in that. But yeah, I mean, it's it does take a long time. To, we have to decide what games we want to play. A lot of times it's easier to pick up and play like a, a Metroidvania or a couple rounds of Overwatch than it is necessarily to dive into like a, a hardcore RPG or JRPG. Yeah, well, I, I mean, we're pretty different. We we both used to play a lot of of JRPGs back in the PS1 PS2 era. I've since then I've leaned a lot more towards action RPGs, be it like Diablo or I call I mean, it like loot RPGs almost. <laughs> well, I mean they are. I, I think if you look at a, a label, a clarification of what they are on like any online store, they typically label them action RPGs. But I mean it's kind of whatever. But I tend to go more towards those, and then or or something similar to Monster Hunter, even though I don't typically like the Monster Hunter formula. Except World. <laughs> Except World. What a glorious game. That that that's probably my top five for the year. But it's no time spinner. I'm gonna tell you that much right now. <laughs> it's no time spinner. That's right. I'm gonna try that out though. That and Dead Cells, you've kind of convinced me to. Yeah, I think Dead Cells would probably be a little bit more up your alley. To be sure, especially I know you really liked Rogue Legacy. It's just mm, the next yeah. step. Well, I mean, Time Spinner too. I mean, I always uh, enjoyed the the DS and Game Boy Advance Castlevanias. Well, that's true, but you can get Dead Cells on your Switch. That always helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's where I would suggest getting it. I would, I would probably always, if I was going to get Rogue Likes, which I don't typically get, I'd always get them on my Switch. Yeah, and I mean, it's just, anytime you can have the option of having a portable, too, it's hard not to to grab something on the Switch. I mean, I'd even probably try and get, I like to get physical copies of stuff, because we can have the whole physical versus digital debate one of these days, but I know that at least there's a physical release of Dead Cells, too, which is nice. Yeah, well, my problem with a lot of indie games like this is the physical release comes out, it seems to come out, like, three to six months after the game gets released digitally. And we don't even know that it's going to come out. So I've already bought the game. And for some of the games, <laughs> I will go out and I will I will buy the, the physical copy. I've done that for a couple of the Shantae games. Did that for Cave Story Plus on the Switch. So I'll do it for games that I want to support. But I mean, they come out several months early. And then typically even, even just a month or two after that, they'll go on pretty deep discounts. So I even have a hard time waiting for them to come out on Switch. I mean, Hollow Knight literally just came out on the Switch, I think. Like, yeah. Maybe a couple weeks ago. So. I think the delay's getting smaller, at least, though, because the people that are developing games now are actually developing for the Switch, which helps. As well they should. So I don't think, like, the games are a little bit older. Like, Hollow Knight, I know, has been around a little bit. So, I mean, I don't know if they necessarily had the Switch in mind, or at least the ones that are in development right now. I think everyone has the Switch on the forefront. Well, they should. Hopefully they can actually be noticed. I wish Patrick's Eye would come out on the Switch. That'd be sweet. That would be sweet. I still don't know how you play that on the three or the Xbox One, though. I gotta have something to play on the Xbox. I one. just don't know how. I just don't know how something like that works on a controller. A game that is just that loot based. It it seems way more loot based than Diablo. I was gonna say, well, you play Diablo on every like PS3 and four, so I mean, yeah, but, yeah, but there's a lot more micromanagement in of Exile. Like, with, with all of your, like, gems and things like that, put them on your... Yeah, arm. there's a lot of just dropping random things oh, yeah. at times. 
but that's a, I guess that's a debate for another podcast. Well, that's actually a game I played this month too, but I I stopped, <laughs> I stopped playing it for all these other ones. So yeah, definitely check that one out too, guys. <laughs> and it's free. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of cool games. We're gonna actually try to do this at the end of of every month, assuming we we actually got to play games one month. And if we don't, well, we should probably just stop the podcast. It's not one call. <laughs> But we want to do that. Let, let us know if you me. Oh yeah. Well, let, yeah, I understand. I understand. <laughs> let us know if you guys, you know, you enjoy it because we we like. I mean, we just naturally, usually before and after we start the podcast, we just normally just talk about games that we've been playing anyway. So it's just kind of like a normal, laid back conversation. But we want to share with you guys too, and you guys, you guys can even, you know comments or leave reviews on the podcast let us know what kind of games you guys are into what you've been playing recently we, we'd love to hear it yeah definitely hit us up on twitter at uh buck chuck gaming and uh, definitely leave a review for us on the itunes app store ios whatever they call it and then we're also on soundcloud too so definitely check us out there yeah we're definitely not hard to find we're, we're there we're around <laughs> and i think next episode we're planning on doing an episode on our memories of the NES. So if you guys are interested in that subject matter, check us out at episode 8, I believe it is. This is number 7? Yeah. This is definitely number 7. Eight's coming up. Yeah, we're heading to the Wayback Machine to talk about the good old Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah, so we're not going to be talking about a lot of Metroidvanias. But... No, but we can still get Metroid and Castlevania in it. So... Oh, and believe me, we will. <laughs> believe me, we will. So definitely stay tuned, guys. We've got a lot coming down the pipeline. And as always, I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. And you've been listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. See Later, you next guys. time, guys. <laughs>